America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast. Happy Tuesday. My name is Emily Elizabeth and I am your host. So today's episode is more focused on entrepreneurship and business, but definitely a worthwhile episode to listen to, even if you're not fully interested in going into business or pursuing an entrepreneurial path. I say that because I genuinely believe that there are so many lessons that cross over between an entrepreneur and whether you are just trying to be the best in your own career path. And I, for me, I've always just taken the mindset of high performers, if you think of it that way. So regardless of what someone is doing, I always like to gain insight into how they think and how they approach their life, and in this case, their career or their business. So a little bit more about today's guest, I have Steven Eisen, who is the founder and CEO of Loci and Elements of Balance. He's been a serial entrepreneur for over a decade, but he's been a quiet leader who has kept a low profile, which I think is really cool because for me as well as an entrepreneur, that was always something I felt like I wanted to implement in my life as a you know somewhat public figure I just want to be able to maintain certain privacy and keep a more low profile and fun fact for those of you who feel like loci sounds familiar you probably knew of it back in 2013 2014 2015 I personally bought one um, in 2015, I think it was October for breast cancer awareness, and I got like the pink version of the regular loci bracelet. And we talk more about the loci business and how that scaled, um, as well as his new business, Elements of Balance. So the ultimate story with his entrepreneurial journey, when he was 19 years old, his beloved grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, an event that brought Stephen to his personal low in life. It was during this time that Stephen turned his pain into his purpose and launched his first product, the Lokai Bracelet. Each Lokai Bracelet holds water from Mount Everest and mud from the Dead Sea, the highest and lowest points on Earth. These elements serve as a reminder to stay humble and hopeful through life's inevitable highs and lows. Lokai has sold over 10 million bracelets globally, has done hundreds of millions in revenue, and has donated over 9 million to charity as part of its 10% of profits to charity pledge. Stephen's latest venture, Elements of Balance, is a plant-based drink and supplement brand 
with clinically effective levels of adaptogenic herbs that will support a sense of balance in your day-to-day life. Stephen also shares a nice little promo code you can use for 15% off, so definitely be sure to listen through the end of this episode. And with that being said, let's dive into it. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm really excited because, you know, I actually was, I purchased a Lokai bracelet back in 2015, my freshman year. So I, I remember those days. And I'm sure that was kind of early on in, in the, the startup of that business, right? Yeah, Emily, thanks for hosting me. Um, yeah, we launched Lokai in June of 2013. So um, company's about nine years old now. Yeah, that's that's crazy that it's it's been so long. Well, I would love to just dive into some context of your background. Um, I saw that you went to Cornell University. Yeah, that's correct. And when I was a freshman, my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and that really brought me to a low in my life. And I was just thinking about the highs and lows that I was going through, and how everyone goes through highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter your age, demographic, income level. We all have them, and. Um, I really wanted to create a product for myself and others that reminded people to find balance in life, staying humble when you're on top of the world and hopeful when you've hit a low. And that was kind of the seed for Loci. Yeah. And I saw that you started it around senior year of college. Is that right? Yeah, I launched it in June of 2013, right when I graduated. Uh, but I came up with the idea as a freshman. So oh, wow. um, I bootstrapped Loci. Um, and just worked on it every day in college and uh, got it ready and kind of figured it out on the way and then launched it uh, instead of taking a full-time job. Did you have any opposition from family at the time, uh, in ter- especially in those days as well, right? As If I remember correctly, in around like 2013, entrepreneurship is still much more um, taboo in a way than it is now. And, you know, social media and Instagram, the influencer world, all of that was just like starting at that time. Was that ever a difficult conversation you had to have with your parents or anyone that may have been like, oh, Stephen, you, you know, go work for someone else first, give it a few years, that kind of thing? Fortunately, no. Um, My father's an entrepreneur um, as well. Uh, And He always pushed me to, uh, I never had an option to go into the family business. Uh, It was always, you got to go do your own thing. Um, And he was always incredibly supportive. And the best piece of advice I ever got when I told him and my mom, the idea for Loci was everyone has great ideas, but now go execute it. That's the hard part. It was really about the execution of the idea, even more than the idea itself. Um, And that always stuck with me. And It led me to do things like get on a plane and fly to Shenzhen uh, when I was 19 years old, uh, knowing no one in China and just figuring out how to find a factory that could make the product for me. That is insane. And then how did you, because I saw as well, uh, maybe you could provide more detail on this, the, the actual... I guess you could say like water or just like the actual content inside the Mm -hmm. bracelet. Uh, If I remember correctly, it's pulled from Mount Everest and somewhere else. Yeah, the Dead Sea. So for everyone listening, uh, a loci bracelet has a white bead and a black bead on it. Injected in the white bead is water from Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. And injected in the black bead is mud from the Dead Sea, which are the highest and lowest points on Earth. And so the story that goes on with the bracelet is when you feel on top of the world, you got to stay humble. 
and the reminder that there's always a lower point. And when you're setting down, you got to stay hopeful. Remember, there's a higher point. So mental reminder to stay balanced. Lokai is a company also donates 10% of profits to charity because mm-hmm. we feel like giving back is a huge part of finding balance in life. And mm-hmm. uh, we've donated a little over $9 million since we launched. Wow. That's a huge accomplishment as well. And so I'm curious, how did you bring those elements to the manufacturer to actually create? And I'm also wondering as well, did anyone ever think that was bullshit that, that that was like, actually that content was actually in the bracelet? Yeah. I mean, people, (laughs) people question it all the time. If you cut the bracelets open, you'll, you'll find the water in the mud. Um, so like it's, it's physically there. We've also had third party companies audit, uh, our process of getting the water in the mud. Um, Mm. the mud was a lot easier to get. Uh, if you're familiar with beauty products, there's a lot of, uh, face masks made out of mud from the Dead Sea. And so, uh, we were able to find a wholesaler that was able to supply us the mud, uh, the water I was calling, uh, anyone I could get a hold of in Nepal and be like, I know this is a crazy request, but. Uh, is there a way that I can get some water from Mount Everest? And eventually I was connected to a team of Sherpas uh, who do expeditions up Everest and um, essentially employed them to go to base camp to collect the water, bring (laughs) it down, and then we ship it to our manufacturer. And I'm really curious then, in terms of the scaling process, I read that at one point you went door to door in New York to try to get this into stores. And I feel like this is probably mm-hmm. one of the top questions most aspiring entrepreneurs have if it's based on a product. How do you get it into stores? Because, you know, I myself, um, you know, background on me, I have, you know, businesses myself. Uh, one of them I first started was figure skating dresses and I got them into stores. And same thing, went door to door, talked to these pro shop owners, like that kind of thing. But um, over time, I realized there's often this, maybe more official process, but can you share that scrappy process and then how, once you kind of figured out how to get into stores, how you evolved um, and transitioned into maybe doing it in a more, I guess, like quote unquote professional way? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't say that that way is not professional. You know, I think it's very, it's very humbling. Right. Um, But you, it's, it's about one day at a time and just getting better and doing the most that you can do every single day. And in the early days of Loci, I had a, a display with the product and I went, I literally walked around New York City going into yoga shops, uh, yoga studios, women's boutique stores, surf shops, any, any door that I thought would uh, be inappropriate for, for Loci. I walked in, I said, hey, is the manager or owner of this store here? Uh, and can I talk to them about my company and my product? Um, and I got turned down nine out of 10 times, uh, probably more than that. But yeah. uh, the one time I got a yes, whether it was once a week or once every few weeks, like that yes just kept driving me. And um, as I continued to open doors, the product sold and they reordered. I, op- I opened more doors and um, it's it's a slow start. And I think for any entrepreneur out there, like it takes time. You know, everyone thinks an overnight success. And I think Loka is a great example of this. People view it as, oh, that was an overnight success. Like Mm -hmm. you got huge fast. But Mm -hmm. for years and years, I was working on Loki uh, without anyone knowing about it, getting no after no after no, you know. And so I think um, 
being humble and just doing the best you can every day and not willing to take no for an answer um, were huge parts of the success in the beginning. Uh, I could have stopped a hundred times after getting no's, but I didn't. And I'm sure that's probably has been a similar process for your second business element. What would you say, looking back in terms of that process of getting into stores or connecting with retailers, just that whole process, which is so separate from that direct-to-consumer aspect, what would you advise someone in that position um, that you were once in when you were first learning how to get in and maybe adjusting your pitch or adjusting your your cold emails, anything of that nature that you recall that you're like, okay, I, you know, if I were to do it different, which now you technically had kind of like a second chance with your new business. Um, what did you do differently? Some of the things that I really value in building businesses are my team and the people around me, um, as well as really building a operationally sound business that makes money. Um, and, I, and I know that, oh yeah, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. Companies should make money, but you, you'd be surprised um, it, it, with this whole new like age of uh, like shiny venture capital and growth and like how fast can you become a unicorn company? I think a lot of people lose sight of building companies that actually make a profit um, and they just focus on top line and growing as fast as they can and raising more money and spending more money. Uh, and for me, it's always been about making sure that the cost of goods and the operations and and the the kind of strategy and plan of the business is to get it to a place that it's profitable. And that I've really taken to uh, my second company, Elements of Balance, which is a beverage and supplement company around functional wellness. Um, And especially when you're dealing with um, expiring ingredients, uh, right, in a food and beverage company, um, it's you have to be really thoughtful about your cash flow and how you spend your money, where you spend it, mm-hmm. um, and not get ahead of yourself. Um, I think that's a that's a big piece too. Is you can't you can't spend your money on marketing uh, and becoming the cool brand when you have no distribution first. So really prioritizing um, when you do certain things within the company. Ooh, that's a really good pivot. I want to know from your perspective. You mentioned there you know, for example, to, to not like get ahead of yourself in that, you know, don't spend money on marketing when maybe it's like not the right time yet, or, you know, you maybe you don't have the right cash flow or capital to spend in that area, or maybe you just won't get the return there. What would you say, you know, maybe just like in a general perspective would be the best approach in terms of how a scrappy entrepreneur should like what areas they should focus on first, right? Because again, I would argue most younger millennials and Gen Z who are again on these tech platforms are like, okay, great. Um, all I need to do is maybe run ads or maybe, you know, do full on organic marketing, that kind of thing. But like you said, right there, you kind of forget the other aspects of like distribution, getting into stores and just other elements that are important to the business. Um, where would you, yeah. where would you start like looking at it from just kind of like a plain perspective? Uh, I think always start with the product, right? Like you have to have a great product that has product market fit. And uh, there are different scales to what that means. I think repeat purchasing and consumers that love your products is first, right? 
no matter how great your marketing is, no matter how many celebrities and influencers are, are posting and talking about your product, if you don't have an amazing product, that flash will die very fast. Mm -hmm. And so I, th I think it's dialing in the product and your cost of goods and what you're selling the product for, making sure you have a business that can be profitable, right. um, in my opinion, and then slowly starting to grow distribution and then starting to add in marketing that supports where that product is being sold. So um, on the element side, we've really slowed down and, and really not spent on influencers and celebrities and mm. paid ads at all, um, because that's not where the revenue is coming from. The revenue is coming for us in retail. So we're in uh, Wegmans, we're in Sprouts, Erwan, right. um, and it's really spending our marketing dollars inside of those retail accounts with mm -hmm. sampling and trial and promotional calendars, um, because that's where the, the closest point uh, to the product is to those potential customers. Right. Would you say that's different then? Because like, this is a great example how you have two companies. Would you say... Is it same or different for Loci? Because it was Loci maybe less retail focused compared to Elements of Balance? Yeah, uh, Loci is still predominantly a direct consumer brand. Um, so, so that you can really spend marketing dollars on things that are efficient. Paid ads have become a lot less efficient. Right. Um, so we've really slowed down our spend there. And I think it's just, it, it's every business is different. Mm -hmm. And I think it's about, asking yourself, who are our ideal consumers mm -hmm. and where do they live? What do they do in their day-to-day -day life and how can we um, reach them? You mentioned in other interviews how your business framework really relates to observing high performers in sports. And I really smiled at this one because I was a former competitive figure skater. And so I think that's why a lot of my mindset translated over from being a competitive athlete. But I, I this is why I also always love talking about this on the podcast in that there are so many similarities in understanding what it's like to be, you know, in the arena, on the court, on the ice, wherever that is, um, when you're competing and watching how these high performers train every single day. Can you share some of that mindset that you learned, whether it's from your personal experience in track or just kind of observing Olympic um, athletes? Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's a great analogy, sports and being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say the, the two biggest things that, that I took from sports, one, one I didn't listen to when I started a business and it really, mm -hmm. I really had to learn from. Um, first is just, you have to take it day by day, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing today to get better at your craft and your sport? Um, and you, you can't overtrain, right? Because then you'll uh, the next day you'll be exhausted and tired and you won't be able to practice. And so it's really thinking about what you do day to day to get better. And then how over the course of years that makes you the best that you can be. Mm -hmm. um, and that applies to being an entrepreneur. But I think the, the lesson that I made a mistake on and didn't take into being an entrepreneur that took me years to learn was mm -hmm. it's about your team. Right. And you really have to trust your team. You really have to trust the people that you hire to do the jobs that you hire them for. And I feel like early on, I micromanaged everyone. 
because um, mm-hmm. I felt like I knew loci better than anyone else and I could do every job better than everyone. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I think the way that you really grow a company is by investing in your people um, and letting them do their job and learn and grow. Sometimes they make some mistakes, mm-hmm. but mistakes are part of the process and they will do more to grow the company than you can ever do yourself. Um, and, and that's a big learning that I uh, didn't do at the beginning that now I've learned and it's made a drastic difference. When it came to hiring your first employee for either company, uh, was it about kind of like a gut feeling like, oh, I, I'm in a position like I really need to hire someone and outsource this? Or was it more from a financial point where you're like, okay, I can afford to bring on a full-time employee or maybe part-time? As most of you have probably heard for a while now, I've been consistently drinking Magic Mind because not only does it taste so good, especially if you love a hint of matcha flavor, but this stuff helps me get into my flow state and I always feel a stronger sense of focus, which makes sense since it is a productivity drink. While I love coffee and I do make it every morning, when it comes to preparing for my workflow or wanting something to sip on before I get into my work, I always choose Magic Mind because, like I said, it helps me get into my flow state and it makes me feel more focused and productive. The best part is that it is all natural and I'm going to share with you a few key facts and ingredients. Number one, it is known to increase and improve productivity. It has very little caffeine and it only comes from matcha tea. It's a great alternative for coffee if you drink coffee for energy and focus. For me, like I said, I drink it more for just the pleasure of making coffee. So this one is definitely a better alternative if you prefer more of an energy-focused drink. It helps fight off fatigue and brain fog as well as some ADD symptoms. And lastly, it is all natural ingredients including adaptogens, matcha, and nootropics. If you've been considering it for a while, I highly, highly recommend you give this a try. I drink this every single day, no joke, and it comes in a box of 15 and I like it so much sometimes I drink two in a day, but disclaimer, it is not recommended. They do recommend one, but I just truly love it so much. And even better, you can enjoy 20% off your purchase with the code FULFILL at magicmind.co slash fulfill during checkout. That's fulfill, F-U-L-F-I-L-L at magicmind.co slash fulfill. The two companies are different. So I think the answer depends on the company. Right. Uh, on the loci side, it was about my time and where I was spending my time versus Mm. where I should be spending my time um, to to build the company and Mm. hiring to uh, take off as much workload from my plate as I could to focus on the larger strategy and plan and what what would really move the needle. Um, On the element side, Mm. I actually took a different approach. Um, I knew going into elements Mm -hmm. that I had no beverage experience um, and didn't know that industry at all. And so the first, the first hire I made was a president, um, who comes from the beverage space and has a lot more experience than me. So, um, I think knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not good at, uh, is also really important in being able to fill your own weaknesses within your team. Yeah. Speaking of weaknesses and maybe struggles along the way, uh, let's bring it back to Lokai. What would you say was the biggest obstacle during that process and at the time too, which is 
around most of my listeners, they're in this age group where you're in your early 20s, you are, you're not in a corporate job, you're really bootstrapping this company, you're trying to scale it and grow. Um, what was the biggest struggle, whether it was maybe, you know, financially for the company or actually scaling it in a certain way, or maybe like the balance of personal life? Yeah, I think being a entrepreneur early on is so emotional. You know, like you're, you, me, like I was young, I was passionate. I was so hungry to, to make Lokai success. I would run through walls to whatever mm. it took. Right. And that's amazing. And it, and you need that early on as a young entrepreneur. Um, as I've gotten older um, and have more years of being an entrepreneur under my belt, have learned almost the less emotional you are sometimes the better because you need to find balance and there will be highs, there will be lows, right? Like it doesn't matter what company, what industry you're in, like you will have to go through uh, the both of those and uh, the ability to be level-headed and realize it's okay and not to get, um, too excited or, or too cocky when things are going well and um, mm -hmm. to make sure you're humble and then also to be hopeful when you're going through lows and know things will get better. You just have to keep going. So um, I would say being able to be level-headed and find your balance, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that is the message <laughs> of Loki um, is really important when being an entrepreneur. How did you find time to, I guess, live somewhat normally, like a 20 some year old, right? Were you in New York City at that time too? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a fun time during that, during those years. I, um, yeah, that then and now I've always been very careful about my calendar and my schedule mm -hmm. and where I allocate my time. I literally view my life and my time as a, as a pie chart <laughs> and, and how it's divided and really try to make sure that the things that are in that pie chart are the things that I care about and want to spend my time on. And so right now it's my two companies, it's my family, I have two kids um, and it's fitness. Working out for me is how I find balance and mm -hmm. kind of unplug and um, if it's not one of those things and then friends and family, like I don't do it. Mm -hmm. So I really try to stay off social media. Yeah. I don't watch TV. Um, and I just allocate my time to what's important to me. And I think if you're thoughtful about that and you really um, do that, you realize how much other time you could cut out mm -hmm. to focus on what's important. Yeah. Speaking of balance, did you like, cause I, I think a lot of the, the talk today is about how can we find this work-life balance, right? Um, but as you know, being an entrepreneur and just if you're in a corporate setting where it's just a very fast paced environment, it's hard to not be working a certain amount of hours. It's hard to, you know, like you can't just sit around and, and, and take your time all day. Um, Back then and now, or maybe it's different, of course, but now that you have a family, were you were you very adamant about always grinding, so to speak, and, and waking up early, getting 
started early and, and finishing late or um, looking back or maybe would you say that that was not a great approach because it was sacrificing your health in certain ways or the amount of sleep you were getting? Yeah, I, I think early on, you absolutely need to give it everything you can and, and yeah. work harder than everyone else. That, that being said, I'll contradict myself and say, <laughs> I, I think a lot of the kind of highlight videos you might see on Instagram of like, work till three in the morning, wake up at, at six in the morning, like, go, go, go. Like, that's not sustainable, you know? Yeah. And being an entrepreneur or, or in any career, really, there's no end, right? Um, mm -hmm. And you'll never be done with email. You'll never be done with meetings. And so I, I think it's about, and for me, I, I do it more based on time than like what is in my inbox because I'll never finish it. Like every day, more emails keep coming, right? And so um, I try to really prioritize, hey, for me, 5 to 7 p.m., I'm not working. I'm with my family and with my kids and then I'll jump mm -hmm. on after, but then I'll go to sleep and make sure I get the sleep that I need and wake up the next day to the point we were talking about with sports, right? Like you can't overtrain one day because then if you do nothing the next day, you yeah. actually do less hours of work or working mm -hmm. out than if you like had really thoughtful workouts each day. So um, yeah, for me, it's really about staying focused on what are the highest priority things that I can do to move the needle mm -hmm. and make a difference in my career and in the companies. And then um, having the rest of the time I need for being a balanced person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, it, it's hard, right? As an entrepreneur to, to really do it all. But I think, I think that's why I wanted to ask you that because I see a lot of those videos today, like the hustling videos, you know, you go to sleep at this time, wake up at this time. And, and I agree. I think, you know, you, you have to do that to some extent. I think, um, you know, it's not like you can just easily blow up on TikTok or, or any social media platform and assume that you can um, kind of take cut corners. Like I saw you mentioned as well as you kind of can't cut corners uh, because, mm -hmm. you know, it, it'll really show in the results, right? It'll show in the sustainability of the business. Um, so I really like that you said that. Yeah. And if you, and if you want to be successful at something, it's going to take years and years, uh, 10 years mm -hmm. to get there. Right. So what, what is the cadence that you can work for 10 years at and not burn out, mm -hmm. right? You can't do something for a month mm -hmm. and that, and then okay, I'm not doing that anymore. Like that doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. What are top two tips that you have for someone in their 20s, early 20s right now, let's just say, um, who have an interest in pursuing an entrepreneurial path? What would you say are the top two tips that you have um, in that regard? Um, one, you better absolutely love what you're doing because the, the, the stress, the highs and the lows, I think there is no easy business, right? Being an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, like it is hard mm -hmm. and you have to love it to want to work that hard and make it a success. So if it's not an industry that you love um, or a company that you love, like figure out that first. Mm -hmm. um, and then second thing for someone in their early 20s is I, that now's the time to take risks, 
Like if, if you're going to take a risk and you do know what you love, go for it. Um, because even now I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and the way I view the risks that I take and fi financially are very different uh, because now, now I have uh, other mouths to feed mm -hmm. and uh, it, it, it really is, a, it, <laughs> it, it sounds naive, but um, I would be less likely to take a risk now and start a company and be an entrepreneur than I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that is true. You know, when when it comes to realizing the responsibilities you have as a parent, it's a whole different, whole different. Yeah. <laughs> so shout out to all the parents out there that are entrepreneurs starting a company that that must be incredibly hard. Yeah, no, it, it takes guts. Um, last few questions. How about in your personal life? Any impactful advice you've ever received in your 20s or just maybe a motto that you live by that pertains more in your personal life that that you would like to share yeah I try to surround myself with people that are um, just as passionate about me are supportive are trying to make me a better person uh, mm -hmm. I love the I love the line you're the average of uh, the five closest people around you mm -hmm. um, right so I'm always looking to, um, yeah, keep it, keep a tight circle of family and friends. Uh, I don't have thousands of friends. Uh, I probably have thousands of acquaintances, you know, but I have right. like, I could count all my really close friends on two hands and, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just, just having a supportive network around you that wants to see you succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think, um, you know, it's hard to, to try to put your energy in to the acquaintances, you know, or to those that are, you know, not, not fully in the same alignment or kind of in that same direction. So I think it's important to be selective as well. Yeah. What about book recommendation for business? And then as well as maybe just life in general, or maybe a novel you've always loved? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, while you're asking me that, I'm going to pull up my library because I want to give you a really good answer. Um, yeah. We have a strong uh, book reading community. And so I actually always end up sharing on our What Fulfills You Instagram, the book recommendations um, that each guest shares on an Instagram story highlights. So Cool. So I, I would say it is an author, Jim Collins. If you're okay. familiar with, um, mm -hmm. I think from a business standpoint, his books are incredible um, and, and have really thoughtful points about just being an entrepreneur, how to think about things. Um, it's built to last, great by choice are two of them. Um, and my favorite uh, fiction book is I Am Pilgrim. Mm by Terry Hayes. Okay. Why is that? It's like a um, more a mystery type book. I don't okay. know. I, I, I like, um, I like fiction books as well as nonfiction because it, it gets me mm -hmm. out of my head. It, yeah. I think it's, it lets you be more creative and thoughtful and um, just gives you different perspective, no matter what the fiction books are. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with you. I'm the type of person that reads fiction at night and then maybe, 
you know, I'm, I'm currently reading like a Tim Ferriss book in the morning. So it's like, get my workflow going bad night. I just, I don't want to think about business. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, okay. So now I'm just going to ask you kind of like a lightning round questions from the what fulfills you card game, which is from this podcast merch line, which I will send to you as well. Um, but first one, to what extent do you shape your own destiny and how much of it is down to fate? I think, I think it's all, I, I think you make your own luck. I agree with that one. What do you value most, comfort or personal growth? Personal growth. If someone asked you when you were 10 years old what you wanted to be when you grew up, what did you say? And do you think that answer still relatively applies to what you actually became or want to be? I've always wanted to be great at whatever I did. And so, yes, I think it does because I... Um, continue every day to want to be a better and better entrepreneur and never think I'm done. And so I do think it applies. I like that answer. I feel like a lot of people always think it's pertaining to a career, but um, I feel like you really put that more in the framework of who you want to be, like in terms of like how you want to be described and how you are internally, not your external title, right? Everyone's like, what do you want to be? And they're like, I want to be a doctor. It's like, yeah, no, I like the way you put that. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for joining me today. Where can everyone find you? Um, you know, your Instagrams, your your businesses, uh, share all the social handles. Yeah. So uh, Lokai's website is lokai.com. That's L-O-K-A-I.com. And elementsofbalance.io is the uh, beverage and supplement line. Um, and then I'm Steven Eisen on all my social handles. Um, I did make a code podcast 15. If you want a 15% discount on loci or elements, you can use that. Sweet. Yeah. I'll definitely share that in the show notes and link everything. So they'll be able to just click on it from the show notes. Awesome. Emily, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is awesome. And that was all for today's episode with serial entrepreneur, Steven Eisen. As always, I hope you found this episode valuable, especially if you are an aspiring entrepreneur and just enjoy hearing the mindset and insight from an established entrepreneur and business person. If you did enjoy this episode, please be sure to share on your Instagram story, share with your friend, tag the Instagram podcast at what fulfills you. And if you haven't left a review yet, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify podcasts wherever you listen. And if you enjoyed the questions from the lightning round of the What Fulfills You card game, you can check that out at the official website, whatfulfillsyou.com, and you can get 10% off with your purchase for being a podcast listener with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. Again, that's whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Thanks again for tuning in today. I would chat with you all in the next episode.